Hello, this is Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello, this is Tracy Ferry with Boston. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Lita Ford. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Ross Valerie of Journey, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Episode 162 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. We're coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the greatest hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk in the world. We've got two special guests on today's episode, uh, both featuring artists who are on tour this summer doing some big shows across the United States of America. We have from the band Boston, we have bassist Tracy Ferry. Tracy, uh, many of you may remember the name for the band Striper. Uh, he did uh, some of their uh, latter work from the 80s and 90s uh, with the band. Uh, he is now with the band Boston. He's also recorded with a zillion other people, as we talk about in the interview. And then also joining us, one of three artists to be coming to the uh, first first Niagara Pavilion. On August 14th, we have Lita Ford, who will be opening the show with Poison and Def Leppard. Uh, as a reminder, you can enter to win tickets by sending us a 30 to 60 second video of you singing a song from one of those bands. So we talked to Lita about her new album, Living Like a Runaway. We talked to her about the Runaways. Uh, also, uh, she collaborated with guitarist Gary Hoey, who had been a guest on our show uh, probably about two years back. Uh, Gary, a phenomenal instrumental guitarist and a vocalist as well. I can't slight him there. Uh, but we talk all about their collaboration on this album, a really, really strong album from Lita Ford. So we'll get into that discussion as well. So without further ado, we're going to get into an interview with Tracy Ferry of the band Boston, and we'll see you on the other side. You guys are coming to Pittsburgh on the 10th of August. Um, you've had a very long musical career and been involved in many projects. Can you just kind of take us back to, you know, you grew up in Indiana. What got you into music? Well, uh, <clears throat> I grew up in what's called a music, uh, a band instrument capital of the world. Um, the company Selmer, Elkhart Brass, uh, okay. tons of band instruments and amplifiers were all produced out of that town and uh there was plenty of local bands you know taking advantage of that and sure uh i you know was introduced to the guitar and um as a young kid and took band and played the tuba upright bass um and then electric bass as my uh instructor instructed me to okay and directed me to berkeley college of music and uh I started taking music very seriously from that point on. Now, you had, uh, we've had a, a, a lot of great musicians over the years on the show who've been to Berkeley, uh, John Petrucci and John DeServio. Uh, you've, you had maybe not the greatest experience when you were at uh, Berkeley. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how your time there ended? Yes. Um, 
the teachers went on strike uh, about 86, okay. somewhere in there, and it was just not a really good feeling about the school, and, you know, the teachers weren't happy, the students weren't happy, they were protesting outside, writing songs about the strike and everything. So I, um, through another course of uh, trials, I ended up heading out to L.A. Okay. And, try, you know, furthering my music studies there at, at uh MIT Music Institution, Music Institute of Technology. Yeah, Musicians Institute of Technology. Yeah, I have to admit, I don't know that I've ever heard of a musician go to both. That's really interesting. That uh, you know, because one was such a prolific. Uh, you know, you think of MIT, you think of you know Paul Gilbert and and some of the great musicians that came out of that coast. Uh, so yeah, you were really, uh, and you were right there in kind of the heyday of that kind of music. Um, oh yeah. What, how did you get your professional start? I mean, obviously, you, you, if you went through Berkeley, you came out with, you know, tremendous music theory and composition and things like that. But how, how did you kind of get your break into the business? Well, uh, when I went to Berkeley, I, I didn't take myself that serious as a musician, but I just showed up there with an instrument and was able to get into the school. But uh, soon after, the other players that had, had been there for a while, um, Al Petrelli, people like that, um, they started asking me to do sessions, and I, I looked at them, what's a session? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's how green kid from Indiana, and uh, being around all those people um, was the greatest uh, education I could ever get. Not yeah. from the from the students because they come from all over the world and they bring their influences to you. And ah, check out this guy, check out this player, and uh, so getting asked to do sessions and listening back and saying, hey, uh, maybe I can do this. I started to take myself more serious as a musician and pursuing it. Yeah. Was there, I mean, prior to Striper, was there sort of one gig that you would consider yourself most identical or, or what you consider your big break? Um, well, the, there was an artist named Rebecca St. James who okay. won a Grammy uh, while I was her bass player. Okay. And that was probably my my first serious uh well actually i played with white cross before that and toured all over the world with them i it kind of fades around sometimes i have to remind myself oh yeah i did that and did that but uh, yeah, look um, at your resume. I, always, I always considered myself a, a hired gun um and i'd like to just jump in situations and be ready to ready to play and you know provide whatever they they need from playing the bass singing you know the stage, activity, whatever. Sure. Yeah, I know when I look at the amount of, uh, like, studio work you did, you know, the guy that kind of comes to my mind is John Five, who, who, you know, a lot of people don't realize played with everybody under the sun in so many diverse styles of music, and you've got a lot of that in your resume, you know, which is... Thanks for looking me up. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, you've you've worked with, uh, you know, so many different styles of music and, and stuff. Um, your time in Striper, I mean, you were, that was maybe not the, the most, you know, platinum mining era of Striper's career, but I mean, you guys made some incredible records together. Um, do you want to talk about how you, you teamed up with the, the Sweet Brothers? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, it was kind of a neat story. I was in Nashville trying to get, you know, some contacts there and, I just I ran off a few copies of my resume and made a couple copies of a picture that I'd taken in L.A. Very glam shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I named Buddy Rosenberg in Hollywood. 
get all these glamour shots of these, you know, L.A. guys. And uh, I just handed it to a few of my friends around Nashville, and somehow it ended up in uh, Michael Sweet's mailbox without a, uh, you know, postage or anything. Right. Somebody that knew me and knew him said, you need to meet this guy. And he called me immediately and said, hey, would you like to go on tour with my solo project? And uh, I go, yeah, let's meet up next time you're in uh, in Nashville. So we, we had a little lunch or meeting or something, and uh, next thing you know, I'm out on the road with Michael Sweet, toured with him for a few tours in, over a number of years. And then uh, when uh, Striper's bassist uh, decided to uh, call it quits for a time, uh, they said, hey, uh, are you up for this uh, Striper gig? And I I go, well, I'm in England right now with another band, but as soon as that tour's over, and they're like, sure. we'll fly you right to Florida. I rehearsed a couple hours, and uh, I call it Mickey Mouse's dressing room because they had all the <laughs> like, character outfits back there. We rehearsed a couple hours and went and did the show. So that was my first time playing with a band. Now, I mean, one of the things, obviously, you bring uh, vocal capabilities, and anybody who's going to work in Boston and in Striper has got to be able to, to help harmonize. Was that... Something you felt particularly confident in your abilities? <laughs> Not really, uh, because I had fallen into that hired gun sure. uh, so much that you know I I was there mostly playing bass and supplemental harmonies and stuff. But the funny thing is, Tom he's really pushed me to sing more, yeah. and I, I I appreciate that. There was one thing I went to Tom. Tom, you mind if I just did this easier part? He goes, No, you can do it. <laughs> Just real, real, just straight ahead. I'm like, okay. And you know what? He's right. I've worked on it, and it's working out. So. Yeah. Now, obviously, you met uh, Tom through uh, Michael's affiliation with uh, Striper. Um, how intimidating? I have to ask this question of anybody, really, that would be in, in this band other than Tom himself. How intimidating is walking into an audition or a rehearsal with Tom Schultz? Um, I'd say it's pretty, pretty intimidating. But it does help that I've auditioned for hundreds of bands. Yeah. I've also auditioned hundreds of musicians. Sure. So I know how that feels, and I know uh, a guy I met with out in L.A. before I left, he goes, the secret to success is preparation meets opportunity. Sure. So if you get an opportunity, you got to have your act together, and, and uh, so I always would t- take that to heart. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's always been sort of a a, a reserved as far as the, the public media, you know, he's not a, a guy that you see hundreds and hundreds of articles and things like that. I mean, did did he have a personality when you did the audition that put you at ease, or was it, you know, was he sort of an intimidating kind of guy, or, or can you just kind of describe what was going through your stomach when you when you strapped on the bass for that day? Not at all. He has this really nice, deep, baritone-esque voice, and uh, that's, you know, it's just calming and... Okay. He's like, okay, let's play. And uh, I don't, I don't think it was intimidating at all. It's it very comforting. Yeah, it seems like those those kind of auditions either go one way or the other. You know, I remember just reading recently uh, Rudy Sarzo's book about how Randy Rhodes auditioned for Ozzy, and it was Ozzy wasn't even barely paying attention. You know, or or people can be, you know, feel like there's a thousand spotlights on them. So it's just curious. Um, you guys are out on the road now. You've got uh, for those not aware, Tommy DiCarlo. On vocals, how is uh, working with Tommy and the experience, the the thrill that must be for him personally? Is it it kind of neat to share in this experience with him? Yeah, see, I would haven't met a sweeter soul to be on stage with, and 
when we rehearsed, he was very reserved and he didn't move flinches from the microphone. I'm like, boy, I hope we have a show here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that first show out of the gate, he is just belting across the stage, you know, just passionate with the audience and, and singing those lyrics and, and living the lyrics while he's singing them. I was just blown away by this guy. Yeah, is it, is I didn't think he was going to leave the mic stand. Yeah, I know exactly. How you you can probably get this nervous pit in your stomach in rehearsals if he's not moving around because you know then it's on you guys to kind of engage the crowd. But uh, is is it kind of refreshing? I mean, or, or the approach to music from someone who who doesn't maybe have the professional background that Tommy had that kind of that makes it a, a little more fun for you guys. You know, kind of showing him the ropes and things like that. Oh, definitely. And uh, there's always a, a fresh freshness about not bringing baggage to the table. Oh, well, yeah. Experience with this band and that band, and you know, you kind of a little get road worn. He's not. He's uh, he just he has that that fresh passion to go out and sing these songs, and yeah. I'd say flawlessly. Yeah, I mean, you you you'll kind of hear people flippantly saying, you, you know, they're living the dream for this or that, but I mean, this guy is truly living the dream. You know, between him and and Arnell from Journey, I, I don't know who to envy more. You know, I mean, there's two roles that uh, you know are iconic to step into, and it's got to be a thrill. Um, you guys are are on the road now. Um, would you say that the bulk of the set list is kind of focused around the first three albums, or or is there some stuff off like Corporate America or Walk On? <clears throat> yeah, it's probably we we're hitting the classics pretty hard, and then we uh, we're doing a good bit from the walk-on album mm -hmm. uh which features david victor more with his his style sure um the high energetic singing and uh so i think there's a good mix there and, yeah. and then we do some nice long arrangements uh you know with the uh extended foreplay sure. and it, it almost is like there's a portion of the show that's almost needs to be appreciated as orchestral okay yeah, I, I'm actually pleased to hear you say that you're incorporating some of the walk-on because I you know, was listening to the album and even remember when it came out and I don't think it necessarily maybe made the impact sales-wise uh, that its predecessor Third Stage did, but really just fits very nicely, you know, to listen to Third Stage and then immediately follow up with walk-on. It's it's a phenomenal record. Uh, yeah, so it's great I remember to hear that. my record. Uh, living in Nashville, I think it was in the 90s, and I bought the record. I, w I was very impressed. Like, wow, this is a great new sound for Boston, and and I was happy to hear something new and fresh. Yeah, play it as well. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the the the, the, the million dollar question. I mean, you guys uh, are going to be touring obviously this summer. Um, are there any firm plans um, that you can share with us beyond the tour? Um, do you guys know where is this going to take you overseas or anything like that, or? Um, that would be a mystery question that only time will be able to answer. I, uh, you know, I just I jumped in this kind of last minute, uh, got the phone call, learned the music, and I'm just taking one step at a time, one day at a time, sure. and enjoying every minute of it. Wonderful, wonderful. We look forward uh, very much to seeing you're going to be here August 10th at uh, Stage A in Boston. Uh, yeah, or I'm sorry, in Pittsburgh with Boston. Freudian oh, slip there. Yeah, you'll be playing right in the uh, shadows of Heinz Field, uh, in between the, the Pirates Field and the Steelers Stadium. So if you're a uh, Sage A E, yes, 
Yeah. Awesome, Tracy. Uh, really looking forward to seeing the show. I haven't uh, haven't seen Boston since I believe it was the Walk On tour. So it'd be great to see you guys uh, coming around and doing all the hits for us that night. Absolutely. Well, I, I hope you'll be uh, encouraged by the stage energy that we have and the camaraderie we will have on and off the stage with the audience. And yeah, I hope you have a great time. And thank you for supporting the band. Ignition. Lift off. The countdown. From the West North Shore, Coors Light and DVE present Boston launches into 2012. Tom Schultz and the band return with a rare appearance. Friday night, August 10th at Stage AE Outdoors. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. Get all Ticketmaster outlets, Ticketmaster.com or charge my phone. For more information, go to PromoSLive.com. Part of the DVE Summer Concert Series. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S, musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. The world's biggest heavy metal touring music festival is back. The Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival featuring Slipknot, Slayer, Motorhead, Anthrax, and more. Saturday, July 28th, First Niagara Pavilion. Tickets are on sale now. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. Presented by the X at 105.9. All info at RockstarMayhemFest.com. All right, Giants, thanks. This is Tracy Ferry again. Uh, Boston will be coming to Pittsburgh to do a show in August. They'll also be playing all across the country, I believe. Uh, right before they come to Pittsburgh, they'll be in uh, North Dakota. So there's no shortage of places to see Boston. Uh, for those of you uh, who have been following Boston's career, obviously Brad Delp, uh, the original vocalist for the band, uh, had committed suicide a number of years ago. The band had been then fronted by uh, Michael Sweet of the band Boston, or I'm sorry, of the band Striper, and then uh, most recently Tommy DiCarlo, uh, who's a really interesting story as well. So this band, um, obviously the, the brains behind Boston has always been Tom Schultz, and Tom is still there, so you're not going to get shortchanged in that at all. All right, next up on the show, we have Lita Ford. Lita, as you remember, great tracks like Kiss Me Deadly and uh, Close My Eyes Forever from the 90s. She was also a member of the band The Runaways, who've had a bit of resurgence in popularity, of course, due to the movie. She has a new album out called Living Like a Runaway. Really phenomenal album, so we're going to talk to her about that and also what they're doing on tour with Def Leppard and Poison. The show. All right, on the phone we have joining us the legendary rocker Lita Ford. How are you doing, Lita? Hey, what's going on? Not much. Um, excited to talk to you about the new album, Living Like a Runaway. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and specifically the collaboration and the work you did with Gary Hoey on that album? 
well, Living, Living Like a Runaway was uh, produced by Gary Howey. Um, it was uh, kind of a godsend, really. Um, Gary and I had known each other and just in passing. We really hadn't known each other, known each other. You know, it was more like, hey, sure. dude, how you doing? You know, that was the extent sure. of our conversation. But one day I got a phone call from Gary, and he had offered me his studio in New Hampshire. So I took him up on his offer, and when the two of us got together, we just started creating magic. It was really, really great stuff. Um, Just a match made in heaven, and uh, we just, we kept writing. It took us one year to put together Living Like a Runaway. It was the first snowfall of the year when I landed in New Hampshire. And when we delivered the album to the record label, it was the very last snowfall of 2012. Yeah. So it was one year almost to the day. So it was very cool. Yeah. Very cool. It seems to have really, um, you know, we've known Gary, and Gary's been on the show and joined us several times. You know, he's an amazing musician and so versatile, but he really seemed to infuse, you know, something different into this album that really, to me, made it kind of stand out in your catalog. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, did he um did he play guitar on the album too or did you you do a lot of the guitar work or how did you guys work that out? We both played guitar on the record. Um if you read some of the credits we'll say uh Lita, uh Gary, uh tambourine, Lita, <laughs> keyboards, Gary. You know, we, we kept it we kept it between ourselves. And mm-hmm. yes, if to answer your question, yes, of course, I did play a lot of the guitar okay. uh, on this record. So, um, it, you know, we, we just really kept it between ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's kind of like the Alanis Morissette, Glenn Ballard record, where it's just the two of them. Sure. Uh, we locked each other, locked, locked away. It was just working with each other in, in the studio for a year. And Gary's wife would bring us in some food every once in a while. And oh, nice. We would just keep working. It was a blast. And we brought in our third songwriting partner, Michael Dan Emick, who wrote, writes lyrics. Okay. And he's my lyricist. I've used him since 1990. Okay. And I think he's just got a gift from God because he, his lyrics are so insane. Yeah. Especially on this new record, the lyrics are phenomenal. Yeah, I one in particular track that kind of stood out to me, the track Mother. Um, did you write that song? I, I'm assuming that did not come from a man point of view. No, I wrote that by myself. And was that, was that a track that you intended? When I listened to it, I instantly the question that came to my head was, was this written um, to be released, or did, was this just written in a, in a moment of just pure artistic kind of creation, and you really didn't think about it on the album, or how did that track make the album? I wrote it for the album. Okay. Um, I wrote it for that reason on purpose. I mean, it's not something that I was trying to hide. Okay. Um, you know, I I wanted it on the record because I want my kids to hear it. Mm-hmm. I wanted my children to know that I love them because mm-hmm. the father has alienated me from the from the kids, and um, I can't talk to them. I can't text them. I can't email them. I have no communication with my children. So my way of communicating with my kids was through this song. Well, I think you certainly accomplished the mission with that 
particular track, uh, just a, a really, really touching song. Um, the, the, the track Love to Hate You, is that Gary on vocals with you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I listened to it. You know, we'd, we're, we've heard bits and pieces of Gary singing over the years, but uh, when, I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, who is that? You know, and we didn't have the benefit of the liner notes or anything that I usually like to chew through uh, when I heard it. So that's a really cool track. Uh, is there a, a first single on the album? Uh, it would probably be the title track. Seems okay. to be getting airplay, living like a runaway. Um, we did do an edited version for radio. Okay. We cut off the ending and we cut the guitar solo in half and just spliced it down to three minutes and twenty seconds. Yeah. So give the live or the clear channeling people what they want. Um, that particular track, did you kind of get rem- reminisce a little bit about the days in the Runaway? A little bit, yeah. I mean, how can you not with a song yeah. title like "Living Like a Runaway"? Yeah. And, and now the Runaways are just blowing up like crazy, anyway. So. Yeah, how how is that experience for you? I mean, you know, having a movie obviously made and and seeing someone portray you. I mean, was that kind of surreal to watch that? I didn't watch that movie. Okay. That's not me on that movie. I don't act like that. I I heard that I kicked somebody or something in the chest or something. I don't know. I just didn't like it, and I didn't didn't really care to see the the movie. I did read the script before they mm-hmm. they uh, did the film. And I asked them if they would take out a few things, and they did. Okay. Um, I don't remember reading anything about kicking. Sure. But, uh, you know, I I think it's more of a movie based on Cherie's book, which okay. is a movie about Cherie and Joan. Okay. It's not a Runaways movie, so I don't know. Maybe the title is just misleading. Sure. Um, now, you are out on the road currently um, with Def Leppard and Poison on uh, a doing you guys were going to be hitting god it seems like the entire united states um how is the tour going so far i know it's, it's still pretty new yeah we're still working out the bugs um so far everything has, has been real great it's like being on tour with a whole bunch of big brothers you know yeah. everyone's really kind and um very helpful and always there if you need something so sure it's yeah it's been real nice and last night we we had the, the night night off and we went to into Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, we played a Lita Ford headliner. You know, we had a couple cocktails and we got on stage and we just rocked it for about an hour and a half, and it was fun. Yeah. You know, just do what we wanted to do, and and when you're the support on a big tour like this, mm-hmm. Def Leppard Poison tour, you have to be on stage. At, at a certain time, you have to be off stage at a certain time, and you're using their stage, and everything's right. under their, their rules, so it's sure. it's tight. Yeah. You know, it's, I, don't, I think a lot of people don't notice that there's that giant clock on you know on a lot of the stages that tell you exactly when you've got to be off, and, and you're you're so limited in the amount of time, and obviously people want to hear, you know, Kiss Me Deadly and things like that, so you, you're not able to really explore your catalog you know, mm-hmm. or, or throw in some of these fun cover songs and things like that. Um, you have you have uh, a good friend of ours, Scott Coogan, on drums. Who else is out there with you on the road? Uh, Mitch Perry's playing guitar with me. Okay. Um, Marty O'Brien is playing bass. Okay. And I'm playing guitar and singing lead vocals. Doing Just the four of us. We left the keyboard player at home this time. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's that's that's not an, always a bad thing. Do you guys do? Uh, I was curious with the, the track "Close My Eyes." Do you guys do that live now? Yes. Okay, and do you do it as a solo, or do you have uh, somebody else join you on vocals? No, it's uh, the audience sings it, um, uh, and if they don't sing it, then I'll just sing the whole song as a whole. Yeah, I was I was curious. I know I know Scott is no slouch on vocals himself. I thought maybe he might be joining you on no, that one. Scott's awesome on vocals. Yeah, I I had the pleasure. There's a video on YouTube of him doing Love Gun uh, with Ace, yeah. and boy, that's just a, it's great to have a drummer, yeah. that, you know, do the harmonies and things like that. Yeah, so, he's uh, he's definitely a big plus in the band. Now, do you have plans uh, after the tour is over? Obviously, you're going to be doing this uh, well into August, to, at least to my knowledge. You're going to be going for quite a while. But do you know what what's next after the Rock of Ages tour? Uh, well, I know we're doing the Monsters of Rock cruise in um, in March. Oh, okay. Um, a couple of more rock and roll fantasy camps. Um, I've started working on my own my own book, um, okay. and uh, which will eventually become a major motion film. Um, but I'm uh, I don't know. Right now, I want to focus on living like a runaway. I want to sure. focus on getting this record out and giving the attention. And, giving it the attention it deserves. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> certainly, yeah. And that's interesting you mentioned the book. The book has become, you know, w- with a many artists, a, you know, a, a great, you know, it's awesome for fans, you know, people that we've been following your career since, you know, what has it been, the 80s, 90s, all through that era, to be able to go back and learn a lot about of, of what happened, you know, it makes for fascinating reading. There's been, uh, you know, no shortage of those books, but they're all so fascinating, you know, and everyone's got such a different tale to tell. So it'd be really yeah, cool to see yeah. that. Well, we, uh, the Runaways grew up in the punk era, you know, mm-hmm. with the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and Blondie. You know, we came from a really wild era. Yeah. You know, people would, would throw handfuls of change at you if you didn't like they didn't like you or they would mm-hmm. spit on you. If they did like you they would spit on you. <laughs> if they didn't get spit on that night they didn't like you. It was like, oh please spit on me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's I, I think a lot of people probably overlook that you know, when they they think of your career. I th- I know a lot of people in my generation kind of know you as a solo artist. You know, the movie in a lot of ways was really the only exposure we had of the runaways because you know, you were you were Kiss Me Deadly and things like that in in the 80s and, and achieved a lot of fame and, and success with that. But, you know, I don't think a lot of people get that you guys came from that punk world, um, you know, and obviously Joan went her way and did her thing. Um, do you guys ever stay in touch or any plans at any point to do any kind of work together? Uh, as of now, I'm trying to get Joan interested, but... Um, oh. I haven't gotten a solid answer out of her, so sure. I yeah. don't really know. Yeah, I think with the uh, the time, it would be certainly perfect after all these years, you know, to to revisit that. So, Lita, it I want to I want to thank you uh, for taking the time out of your schedule. I know you've got a show uh, coming up in Atlanta and stuff like that, so people will be able to catch you. Uh, looking at this itinerary for the tour, you're going all the way into September, so you're going to be a busy woman out there on the road for the next three months. So we wish you all the best, and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, John. All right, there you have the Lita Ford. 
I want to thank her for taking the time out of her schedule, and also Tracy Ferry of Boston for taking his time out of his schedule as well to come on the show. I invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com for all the information going on in Pittsburgh. We've got concert calendars for the area. We also have links to all of our back episodes, all 161 of them. I also invite you to check out castironring.com. It's a, uh, think of it as a brotherhood of podcasts, um, music-related podcasts. We've got hard rock, metal, gear, all kinds of great stuff. So check out castironring.com. Also, if you have an iPhone or an iPod Touch, you can go to the App Store, look for Cast Iron Ring. You can listen to all our shows right there on your mobile device. Also, invite you to check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we are constantly uh, engaging people on those sites, uh, giving away tickets and things like that. So, check us out, especially on Facebook and Twitter. We'd appreciate it. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.